You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. I'm struggling this morning. Struggling to be positive. 4-3 overtime loss last night in Arizona to the Coyotes. To a joke franchise at a joke arena. To a joke team. In a must-win situation. Trying to be positive. I'm trying to be optimistic. I need your help. 960-960 on the text line. Give me one reason. Just one. To be optimistic. Because it's all in the feels this morning. I feel like I just need to go cry in the shower after that loss last night. Because that one really... Turn it up, GVP. Hey, remember when Manjapani used to score like 35 goals? I do remember that. Remember when Jonathan Huberto had like 100 assists? Yeah, it set a record for the most points by a left winger in NHL history. Hey, did you know that Johnny Goudreau had five points last night? I, I heard that, actually. I heard that short moment ago. Yeah, that's... Yeah, he also really got the fair. overtime winner. Hey, uh, another former Flame of the Great Night yesterday, Yusuf Alamaki. Yeah. Uh, two points, 24-46 in ice time, plus one. Wow. Yeah. Um, this is a team that trotted out a group of Amama, McBain, O'Brien, I've never heard Cassian. Of that. Who's that? Kesseling? Kesselring? Kesselring? I've never heard of that he guy. He was in my part life. of one of the trades at the deadline. For maybe Nick Bugstad. I want to see whatever. Uh, Flames lose 4 3 in overtime. He was an Oilers prospect. So, yeah, the Bugstad, too. Now they're five points out of a playoff spot. Uh, later on in the Travis show. Boyd. I don't even Warren, know when. Dauphin. Like, come on. Um, the guy who played for the Habs, he was terrible. Um, we'll tell you why you sh- probably shouldn't go to Ranger games moving forward. And um, the hottest. League in the world is going to kick off next month. So dumb. The hottest league in the world. Is it? Yeah. Like temperature-wise? Like no. Oh. Oh, good. Yeah. Can't wait. Like, just a little teaser. I'm trying to decide whether or not to come in with Warren's <laughs> Cherry Pie or Girls, oh. Girls, Girls by Motley okay. Crue. Okay. Trying to decide which one. For that now, story. now I'm excited. These now are, I'm these really are the problems I have to like. I'm, I'm conflicted on which song should I pick. <laughs> right? Talk about first world problems. Yeah, that that would be a first world problem. Um, Flames lose four uh, three in overtime last night to the Coyotes. Give us one reason, just one, to be optimistic. Can you take a positive away from last night? Um, like I said earlier, Jacob Markstrom's played recently, but, but that's not new. He's been terrific this month. He's been terrific this month. And even yesterday, I don't know if that was the bright spot. Like I don't look at him and say, man, he was terrible yesterday. No, but he made a couple monstrous breakaway saves in the yeah, first period that to the keep game that game even relevant. Yeah. No, that game had nothing to do with Jacob Markstrom no. last night. It's so, just terrible giveaways crushed the flames last night. That's certainly not a bright spot. Um, I anybody know. maybe 
Like, if we're talking about Troy Stetcher being a bright spot for the Flames, maybe that's the whole reason why this team has five points out of a playoff spot. There was a much longer list of guys that I was not impressed with yesterday. Guys that did not feel... Yeah, but that's not what I asked you. I know. I asked you, give me one and thing I'm... that you liked last night. I liked the pass from Jonathan Huberto to Elias Lindholm in the last 15 seconds of the game that got stopped. Yep. Here's one. Okay. I liked Walker Dewar's game last night. Yeah, he was good. Yeah. But that's the same point as the Troy Stetcher point. Yeah, if Walker Dewar is one of your best players, you got issues. In his first NHL season at the age of, what, 25? Yep. Great when he's playing well, sure. Mm -hmm. You love to see it. Yep. But that shouldn't be what you're the most excited for. That Mm -hmm. shouldn't be the big thing that we're all fired up about. Right. There was a lot more of... This is one of those step-back kind of games, right? You know, the, the Anaheim felt the exact same. Ottawa felt the opposite. Like, it's just been a team that just can't string a week of good play together, it seemed, all year long. You know, there was that one road trip down through California right before the holiday break or before the All-Star break. No holidays. Yep. And that was good. That was a good week. Where they were just pounding in goals against the Sharks on that back-to-back. Yeah, and the Kings and the Ducks, and they beat all three of them. Yeah. Everything was happy and cheerful. Right. But then, but, but even last night, the talent discrepancy between know, the Flames like, and and the Coyotes is so big, it's so vast, it's so massive that it's just there's like thirty million dollars in cap difference between these two teams. Yeah, the Arizona Coyotes currently at sixty six million dollars, just under sixty seven million dollars for the cap. And what more than half of that is dead money that they're paying to players that don't even play for the franchise. Yeah. Greats and, like, you know, um, Jacob Voracek. Mm-hmm. Is he on the books? Or they traded that contract. Pavel Datsuk's still on the books. Chris Pronger, is he still on the books? Uh, I can offer you some Jakob Voracek. Yeah. Two both. more years is eight and a quarter. Shea Weber, is he on that? Shea Weber, four more years yeah. at 7.857. Yep. A little Andrew Ladd, final year of his Ooh, deal at 5.5. And, of course, uh, Brian Little, just under oh. 5.3 for two more seasons. Yeah, because I know Datsuk and Pronger used to be uh, Coyotes alum. Yeah, but the Datsuk contract has since expired, So, and the Pronger one has also since expired. So that's the team the Flames lost to last night, and a absolute must win. Yeah. Now, if they go into Vegas... No Nick Schmaltz. Again, I'm doing it to myself. Now, if they go into Vegas tomorrow <laughs> and win in a place that they've never won before... Yeah. Three out of four points doesn't look as bad. And, you you know, you're taking on a Vegas team that gets back from their one of their longest road trips all uh-huh. season. A five-game Eastern Conference road trip that also had a stop at St. Louis. Uh-huh. Stop, stop looking at me like that. Yeah. Keep and coming. You gotta, Keep it going. You got to beat Vegas eventually, right? The odds would suggest that eventually you got to beat them in I Vegas, would say so. Right? Uh <laughs> Jonathan Quick will eventually lose. Yep. Right? Sure. Can't be 4-0 forever. Yep. His numbers are lights out, though, of late. How much are we... I don't know. Maybe 
Maybe we're just pushing it down. Maybe we're just trying to suppress it, suppress it, and you're just keeping it it in a little ball of hate in your stomach, and you just don't want to unleash it on the world and just keep pressing it down. How much is that is the Nashville Predators? Because I feel like none of us are taking the Nashville Predators seriously. But let's let's be honest here. What would the chance that the Predators finish with more points than the Flames this season now? They're up a point with three games in hand. I still think low. Are you sure about that? Based on the Predators' schedule. But again, like we are, we we don't even acknowledge the fact that the Predators are now ahead of the Calgary Flames in the standings and have three games in hand. Yes, but they play every other night from now until forever. Okay, against some very good teams. But again. Nobody takes them seriously. Mm-hmm. They were sellers at the deadline, mm-hmm. and yet they continue to rack up points here and be a thorn in the side of Western Conference teams. Oh, and the Predators and Jets play twice before the season ends. You know what you need if you're a Flames fan in those games? Three-point games. <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah. You don't whatever, need a three-point game at all. Yeah, you probably want what? Nashville to win and the loser point goes to Winnipeg? Best yeah. case scenario? Right. Saying that fully tongue-in-cheek? Yeah. It's just like when Tom Brady was saying when Giselle was going out with their jiu-jitsu instructor. It's no big deal. It has nothing to do with <laughs> There's it. There's nothing to see like, here. Don't like worry about The Nashville it. Predators are our jiu-jitsu instructor right now. That's what they are. Like You don't really take them seriously. You know, you don't think they're a threat. Oh, but they're a threat. And they're if you don't think about, they are, they are. Hey, listen. Their next game is against Chicago. Okay. Who just beat the Bruins. Sure. Then they got that Jets game. Then they go back to the East. Like, the Predators still have to go back to the Eastern Conference on two separate road trips. Two separate two-game road trips. Sure. And I know it's not it's not far. California to the East Coast. Not a far flight. But, mm-hmm. I don't know. They're still around. Like, I'm very much repressing the thought of them still being in this. Because, as uh, we like to say, the math isn't in their favor. Yep. But... um. Can't deny they're this, still there. This is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a break. Yeah. And after the break, I'm going to float something I saw on Flames Twitter last night to you. And then we'll get to Charles Davis. Was this like somber after the game, no. Flames Twitter? Or excited no, no, no. maybe after they'd gone up one nothing for like 45 mm, seconds, Flames Twitter? Um, It's, it's wrapped in frustration. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's in a blanket of, it's in a snuggie of frustration. Oh, good. That's what it is. So cozy yeah. and wonderful. Or if you watch Family Guy, a yanket of, of frustration. A yanket. <laughs> so we'll do that straight ahead. And then Charles Davis. <laughs> Charles Davis from the NFL on CBS. <laughs> Straight ahead. I don't even know if I've seen the skit, but yeah. I, I can imagine yeah. it, and I'm enjoying it already. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Live from Doug Lacey's. Basement Systems, downtown studio. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. About four minutes from now, Charles Davis from the NFL on CBS will join us, talk some free agency. We're still taking your text messages at 960-960. Just give me one reason to be optimistic about the Flames. Just one. 
Name and location to Texty McTexterson. He's going to join us later on in the show. The franchise at the top of the hour, Eric Francis. Yes, sir. Arash Madani from the WBC. Yes, sir. Canada fed it to Columbia yesterday. Ooh, eat that. Juan Valdez. Yeah. How's that taste? Yeah. Bringing the noise. <laughs> um, wanted to ask you something before we get to Charles Davis. Please. I saw it on Flames Twitter last night. Uh-huh. Where are you at with reuniting Huberto and Lindholm? Uh, sure. At this point, why not? Yeah, I think that would be my why not. Sure. Why isn't I know that there was the clip from Daryl Sutter that he, where he was all, you know, Lindholm. They tried to make it work. Yeah, well, wasn't the clip, like, the quote, like, you know, Lindholm actually has someone that he likes to play with now or something like that, which yes. felt like it was almost more of just like a locker room management type of thing more so than anything. And it was but, also passive aggressive, which Daryl yeah, was towards excellent at. Jonathan Huberdeau. Yes. Yeah, he's very good at that. If I, I'm a big fan be of good at it, but anyway, yeah. Anyways, um, sure. I guess like, why not <laughs> have not loved, you know, the Cadre Huberto pair. They, they've just felt they were good Sunday night. They were good Sunday night. But then again, like you look yesterday, like that, no look pass from Jonathan Huberto to Nazem Cadre. Like, Saw that coming the entire way. As soon as that seam was moderately open, Huberto took one step in, and you knew he wasn't going to shoot. He was going to go cross-ice the no-look pass. Codder can't handle it, and then he tries to go back to the point, and it gets bobbled. And yep. there's just been too many instances like that this season where those two guys, you feel like it should be cohesive, and it just hasn't been. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would be open to the idea I don't think that Lindholm has been, you know, excellent with Toffoli. And, and we've already talked a lot about Pelche and how, you know, maybe a little bit of a, a slide here for the young man who's, you know, first real stint in the NHL. These things will happen. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. That's for sure. After um, yesterday's game. Uh, this is something I want to ask the franchise about, too. I know they've been the best line in the team for months. Do you break up the backland line now to try something new? I wouldn't break up Backlund and Coleman, but I would wonder about Manjapani. Okay. But then again, has he played good enough to get elevated anywhere in the lineup? Can't score. Not necessarily. So that's not what I would have. I'd probably just keep them together, honestly. Like, Toffoli usually plays that like, other side. Backlund's been the bright light of this. Would you put Huberto there? Sure. I Try guess. something. I don't hate shuffling them around a little bit. No. This has just been another, like, the the thing with this team is that the problems have been at least consistent. Maybe put the DNA line back together. The Tenacious Three? Yeah. Yeah. Because they were good at the beginning of the season. We haven't seen them for, what, since, like, November? Yeah. That was a whole bit. We We worked a bit on that for at least six weeks. Yeah. And then they just broke them up. Like, it wasn't one of our best early bits as a show. Which yep. is disappointing. Yeah. Few and far between. But yeah. maybe yeah. maybe put them together. Why not? It was that and Fanny. What do you got to lose? I would throw them up there. Yep. And you can put Toffoli on there too. So you got a little bit of a shooting mentality as well. Like I know one of the big things with 
Huberto has been, let's try and make sure he's got someone with a little bit of speed on his line, someone who can back off the defense. Because if you can do that and you can force the defense into some tough gaps and allow Jonathan Huberto a little bit more time and space as he gains his entry across the blue line, Mm -hmm. that'll create some more chances, especially if you've got your second wave of offense coming with your first defenseman or your third forward or whatever that might be. That's certainly not DeFoley who's going to be burning the top off of any defenses, but, you know, Lindholm's got a little bit of speed to him. Like, I I do wonder... Like, the one guy I, I thought about was... What if we threw like a Walker Dewar up with Kadri and Huberto for a game? Why not? That guy's got speed. Yep. He's shown he can do a little skill. Yep. Got a pretty hard wrister. Like he's kind of exceeded expectations across the board when it comes to number 71. So um, more on the Flames 5-4 overtime loss uh, at the top of the hour. Eric Francis will join us. The franchise, I believe he's in Las Vegas ahead of the game tomorrow night against the Golden Knights. We'll talk to the franchise. Wow, early uh, start for the man. Yeah, but right now, uh, one of our absolute favorites uh, from the NFL on CBS on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, we say good morning to Charles Davis. Charles, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you guys today? We're great. Thanks for jumping well, on. Um, we're excited to talk about NFL free agency. Where are you at right now, Charles, with this Aaron Rodgers saga? <laughs> I'm totally at the spot of, and it sounds, well, you know, I I try to maintain some equilibrium. You guys know that pretty well, having spent some time with me over the last few months, right? Mm -hmm. I am just ready to have someone say Aaron Rodgers has signed with X team, and that's where he will be next year. And the rest of it, I don't need to know about. That's where I am. Mm. Like, I'm done. Like, I don't need the twists and turns. I don't need... You know, where he is this week. I don't need, you know, the idea that, you know, hey, he's asking the Jets to sign all of his favorite receivers. I know it's news, and I know that if I were in that world and I were one of my colleagues, a Tom Pelissero at NFL Network and Ian Rappaport at NFL Network and, you know, a, a Jonathan Jones at CBS Sports, right, and Adam Schefter at ESPN, if I were those guys, obviously that's their livelihood. That's what they do. They have they bring us stuff before the rest of the world gets it, so they have to hit John and Rod. I don't. Mm. <laughs> so so just tell me where he's going to play or if he's going to play, and off we go from there. Um, Charles, I think it's fascinating that in the point you brought up, like Alan Lazard signing with the Jets, everything looks like you know this is heading towards an Aaron Rodgers to the Jets marriage. But unlike what Tom Brady does, this is weird. Okay, so we're signing guys that just to appease Aaron Rodgers, guys he likes. Randall Cobb might end up with the Jets. That's fine. But when Brady went to the Bucks, he actually re- recruited players that can help him win the Super Bowl and not so much his buddies. I think there's a difference here between what Rodgers is trying to do, maybe we think, and what Brady did when yeah. he went to the Bucks. I, th- I think that our perspective, and I say our just because the three of us are on, right? Mm-hmm. So our perspective might be, well, you're not recruiting guys to help you win the Super Bowl. His perspective is, I think they can. Mm. You know, Alan Lazard, I helped develop him in Green Bay. Remember, Alan Lazard was undrafted. <laughs> so mm. no one expected anything out of Alan Lazard. Making the team was, was, was a, a far-fetched deal, let alone become that guy. You remember how upset he was over, over uh, Jake Kumaro not being signed by the Packers? Yes. Remember that one mm-hmm. when, when, when they let him go and, and, and he pitched a pretty good, you know, let you know that he didn't like it type of a deal? 
How many catches has Jake Kumro had since he's been in Buffalo? Uh, one? Maybe 15? <laughs> yeah. You know? And, and again, this isn't me to take a shot at Jake Kumro. That's not my point. My point is people like who they like for various reasons. But in Aaron's mind, if he stays in Green Bay, he becomes an integral part of the offense because I know what he can do and I can help him get there. We look at it from the outside and go, the guy's caught 15 balls since he left you. How good could he be? Mm-hmm. It's just two different ways of looking at it, I think. Now, I'm playing a dangerous game. I'm playing someone else, right? You know, I'm playing Aaron Rodgers in this scenario, and he might be saying, if, if he heard this, he might say, boy, Davis is stupid. That's not it at all. I'm just extrapolating guesstimate, right? Educated guess, I'd like to call it. He may call it something else, but I, I think that's pretty much how he would look at it. You say Randall Cobb? I say Randall Cobb should retire as a Packer. Hmm. Boom. We're done here. Yeah. Right? That's the way I would look at it. Randall Cobb may think he's got something left in the tank. And what if Aaron Rodgers thinks that he does and the Jets kick the tires on it, if indeed it is the Jets? Like right? That's kind of where we are on all this. In that murderer's row that is the AFC, are the Jets even yeah. a legitimate Super Bowl contender for you with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback? Or they're just a playoff they are, team? No, no, no. They're they're a legit contender because he will make everyone around them better. He, like he, look, there's no getting around the fact that what we said was true. Al Lazard was undrafted. Okay? He helped get him make him better. Okay? Kumro going to Buffalo was – there was some controversy. Why? Because in Green Bay, he looked like he was a viable member of that offense. Remember, anybody remember where Robert Tunyon, the tight end, was drafted? Yeah. He, he wasn't. <laughs> okay? Mm. He is a big part of that offense, and Aaron Rodgers is a big reason why. And we go back to Brady signing guys he thinks will help win the Super Bowl. Sometimes you don't know what you're doing there either because he wanted Antonio Brown. Mm. Think about that. Yeah. And, and I will tell you, this, I don't need truth serum. I don't need you know anyone to put me on the stand. I, I, if they do, so be it. When, I, when he was jonesing for Antonio Brown, I was saying that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Stupid. Because that guy will always let you down. And he actually didn't just let Tom Brady down. He turned on him. Take that, take that for an example. You really think that's the right guy to go with? makes you question if you know people or not. And I'm not even in the locker room. I could have told you that one. Mm-hmm. That one was easy. And then he'd have a couple of weapons there in New York as well because of obviously they've drafted guys like Garrett Wilson, a former first-round pick. So that would yeah. be interesting that's to see. That's a big one. Yeah. That's like- a big one because that's a big one because the rest of the receivers have not produced. Mm-hmm. Right? Think about who's there. Okay? Denzel Mims. They haven't mm-hmm. gotten much out of him. He's second-round guy, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Can you name any other receivers? Elijah Wilson? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get to, you get to that point, right? We're at the stage of Amron Burgundy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who put that question mark there? Um, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of where we are. Yeah. Wilson was a huge get, obviously. The other guys have not played up to that. And remember, the other guys may have been upset about the quarterbacking last year, and rightly so. But Garrett Wilson played throughout it, although he had his best times with Flacco Mm -hmm. and with Mike White, Mm. guys who would throw the ball on time with precision. I would say any receiver would be better with those guys. 
Wanted to ask you about the other New York club as well. Uh, Darren Waller acquired by the Giants to play tight end in that yeah. offense with Daniel Jones, who also gets an extension on his contract. Just yeah. what have you made of uh, the Giants offseason, keeping Daniel Jones and getting him another weapon? I think a lot of people get hung up on the money that Daniel Jones got, and understandably so. But people have to, in my mind, you got to put it in where we are right now, context of where the quarterback market is and where the Giants were from last year. Remember, Zero expectations going into last season. I think that's a safe assumption, right? Somehow that roster made the playoffs. (laughs) That's why Brian Daybold and his staff coach of the year. They deserved it, okay? That should not have been a playoff roster. But they played really well on defense in a lot of ways. I could go on with all the different things. Bottom line is they actually blew an opportunity, quote-unquote, if you want to call it that, but I never think you do when you win games. They're not in the top ten in the market for a quarterback anymore. (laughs) <laughs> so you're out of that game. You've got your proven commodity in front of you with that one year of coaching with Dave Ball, Mike Kafka, Shane Tierney, Shea Tierney and, and staff, where he got better in so many ways, even if the numbers aren't anything that blow you away. Very quickly, how many touchdown passes Daniel Jones throw last year, regular season? Uh, 17. Close, 15. Ooh. Okay. Good try, so Chuck. If you just go – yeah, listen, well, well done. If you just go by pure numbers, that's yep. not a guy you're giving $40 million to. But what's your quarterback market? Where are you going to go to get someone else? This is a guy in your system that you you know, you know coached up to be much better than before, and they will try and make him better, Th- thus the signing of Darren Waller. That's a huge get for them. Because last year, I think they by the end of the year, I think they had two receivers that were over 500 yards for the year. That's... So that's not going to blow you away. So they need – Full restocking of receivers. Darren Waller is a receiver slash tight end. A big-time target for a quarterback. Every quarterback loves to have a tight end to throw the ball to, especially one that can break, break a game open. And now they have to add more people on the perimeter. So it's all hand-in-hand. Hand. I like what the Giants are doing. I don't think they had any choice on signing Daniel Jones because of where they are and where they're trying to get to. And I think Joe Shane, the, the GM, is going to restock the receiver room to help make him better going forward. Charles Davis uh, for the NFL on CBS, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big show, Ruskin Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. This dance that the Ravens and Lamar Jackson are doing is fascinating to me. I wanted to ask you about this. Are the Ravens, as an organization, Charles, maybe their philosophy is our two Super Bowl wins were based on our defense and guys like Ray Lewis? And that maybe we can spread out that quarterback money throughout our entire team and build a championship team that way instead of sinking all our money into the quarterback. And I'm well aware that they gave Joe Flacco the richest deal in the NFL at the time when they re-upped him after they won the Super Bowl with him. But do you think that's kind of what's maybe holding back this negotiation that they're just hesitant to pay a quarterback that much money because they think they can build and they've had success building around the defense first? instead of a quarterback. Can you do that in today's NFL? You can if it's your, if you're, if it, if it's your organization's DNA, but it is tougher. I, I've said it for a number of years now. I will continue to say it until I feel like it's different. The game has never been as, as quarterback-centric as it is now. We used to talk about playing around our quarterbacks a little bit, and in their first Super Bowl, there's a good sense that you can say that Ravens defense – played around what they did on offense. What people forget, yeah, I don't know if you've seen, you know, the the you know, the bullies uh thirty for thirty, which is really good about that Ravens team. Mm-hmm. 
they the whole month of October they didn't score a touchdown on offense in a year that they won a Super Bowl. That's like unheard of, right? And but that was in two thousand. Here we are in two thousand twenty three. I don't know you can pull that off again. I don't think that you can carry your quarterback as much as, as your quarterback needs to carry you just by the way, the style of the game, the offenses you're going to play against, all of those things. So there is a DNA in, in what you're talking about. You know, when they say play like a Raven, they really are looking at it from a defensive perspective, I mm-hmm. think. I think that's where it comes from. So I think you're right about that. But I think that this Pavain that they're going through now with, with him is very simply down to this. Deshaun Watson and that contract that Cleveland signed made 31 other franchises really unhappy. The most unhappy was Baltimore because they knew they were next in line in the queue yeah. of guaranteeing that kind of money. And they don't want to guarantee that kind of money, not necessarily only because of defense, but just simply it throws everything out of whack for you. So they didn't want to do it, and they've tried for two years to reach an agreement with him. If indeed he and his advisors, because he doesn't have an agent, are hung up on getting to Sean Watson money, I think that's why Baltimore put the non-exclusive tag on him. They're like, okay, great. We've done all we can from our side. You've listened to us. You've said no. Non-exclusive. See what you can get from the rest of the league. Baltimore's counting on no one's going to give him 230 guaranteed. Okay, the last two big contracts were Russell Wilson's and Kyler Murray's. Did either one of them get 230 guaranteed? The answer is no, not even close. Mm-hmm. So what Baltimore's counting on is the rest of the league telling him, guess what, dude? <laughs> You're not going to get that kind of money. And remember, Baltimore gets to match. So whatever it settles in, I think Baltimore feels like they win. And if someone does go to 230 and, and, and gives him fully guaranteed, no Baltimore gets in return, two first-round picks. Mm-hmm. So you're off and running again. And as you pointed out, their defense, remember, they traded for Roquan Smith last year during season, Yep. who has no agent, by the way, <laughs> just like just like Lamar Jackson. But guess what? They came to an agreement during the season last year on the new contract. So we'll take the two first-round picks, continue to play like a Raven, build from defense, and try and find a new quarterback if someone's going to give them that kind of money. But ultimately, I don't see it. Ultimately, I see Lamar Jackson taking the first snap for Baltimore next year. The one team I, I thought would really be interested in, it surprised me they weren't, was Atlanta. Yeah. Because I thought that – you talk about a perfect marriage. Matt Ryan was phenomenal in his years in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Do you know people still wear more number seven jerseys to games yep. <laughs> than, than, than Matt Ryan's jersey number two? They yep. still miss Michael Vick. Lamar Jackson, from the moment he landed at the Atlanta airport, the parade would have started. Yeah. Where is the best fit for Odell Beckham Jr., or where do you think he's going to end up? Because I think they're two different things. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't know that there's a quote-unquote best fit. The Bills? Let's say Rodgers goes to the Jets. Ooh. I don't think it's, I don't think it's the Bills, and here's I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Because did you see how their their season ended and Stephon Diggs is yelling at Josh Allen? Yep. You really think Josh Allen needs another another, <laughs> another receiver like that in his locker room? <laughs> I don't think so. Jets make sense because the respect that Rodgers would engender right out of the gate and Beckham still has to prove things coming back from injury again. I keep hearing this $20 million. He's not getting $20 million. 
Yeah. <laughs> Anybody gives him twenty million, I'm applying right there for a job at that place <laughs> because they're <laughs> handing money out, and I'd like a piece of it. Mm. I don't think he's getting that, but the Jets seems to be to me would be a perfect marriage because they're going for it, right? Kind of like the Rams did a couple of years ago. Yeah. If indeed they're signing Rodgers, they are going for it, and they don't want to waste this young defense that played really, really well last year, and I think will only get better. Charles, the Broncos have made a, a few changes in the offseason here. The the most notable would probably be bringing in Sean Payton as their new head coach, but they also yeah. added to their offensive line via free agency. Um, do you think that's enough to get the Broncos and Russ Wilson back into a team that's fighting for a playoff position? Well, what, what will be enough is if the Russell Wilson that they signed shows up in place. Mm. That's when things really take off because you can make all the other moves, but if he plays the way he did last year on a you know for the bulk of the season, then you're not better because that guy, you know that's we didn't know that guy last year. I mean, let's be honest about it. When you watch them play, you're sitting there saying that is not the Russell Wilson we know. And my biggest thing, the thing I centered in on, we ended up doing two of their games last year, only one of which he played. He got he was hurt and didn't play against the Jets. But against Kansas City, he played pretty darn well in a lot in spurts and really hustled and ended up with that concussion late in the game when he was trying to score. You never once said to yourself, effort's any part of it. But he got trapped in the backfield a couple of times on sacks that I was used to him getting away from. I feel like he was getting caught and had more trouble getting away from people that were of mere mortal status as opposed to the best in the game. Because the best in the game we can get you from time to time. It's just the way it is. But guys, I, I used to sit there and say to myself, I told my partner one time, I said, that's a guy like me who just got him. That's not normal. Mm-hmm. And so if he gets back to where those guys don't get him anymore – We'll, we'll, we'll see. I think we'll see an improvement. I just don't think the alchemy is very simply, Sean Payton, oh, Russell Wilson will automatically be better. Well, you would think so, but they're going to have to prove it. But the rest of the moves they're making, yeah, they're centered in around that, but he is the, the biggest piece that they have. And I'm really eager to see what they do with the receiving core because mm-hmm. I think there's value out there, and I don't think that they're going to want to keep all of them now. I think they're going to want to deal someone for some more pieces. It's just a matter of which one is it going to be. Is it going to be Judy? Is it going to be Hamlet? Is it going to be Cortland Sutton? Mm-hmm. And what I worried about Sutton last year was he didn't seem as sudden as he was pre-knee injury. I hope that that comes back for him because he's fun to watch when he's on top of his game. Do you understand the direction the Raiders are going in with their offseason? Kind of. Mm. <laughs> I yeah. can't say 100%. Kind <laughs> of. Maybe. I under- Listen, listen, the Jimmy Garoppolo signing was almost one of those that, you know how we can overthink it? If we had said Garoppolo, nah, no way with the Raiders, we're overthinking it. Of course, of course the Raiders were a possibility. Someone that knew him, a playbook he knows, a coach that's had him before that, 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 has, that believes he has some value. But don't think for a second that he is the long term. He's still a bridge, even though it's a good contract signing for him. That's just the Raiders acknowledging that this season, the quarterbacks that are coming out, they like, but maybe don't love. And there's no guarantee you get the one that you truly want out of that grouping. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, their thing is, listen, we've had enough rough seasons. Can we get a quarterback who can play with some competence and maybe steal a playoff appearance along the way while we find our quarterback of the future?
Charles, one storyline that's fascinating to me is uh, Matthew Stafford and his future in Los Angeles. Is he the Rams' starting quarterback in week one? He is if he's healthy, but that's the key. I think the health is, you know, they fought it off for a couple of years, but the health is real. I think the elbows, the elbow and, and whatever else is an issue. That's why it would be interesting to me, like if I'm Baker Mayfield, who finally had some Baker Mayfield success down the stretch with the Rams, which well, I think we're still blown away from that Thursday night game. I think it was the type of thing against, I think against the Raiders, right? Mm-hmm. Where he showed up, right? You know, walked in. It was almost like uh, Good Morning Vietnam when, when <laughs> Robin Williams got there in the middle of the night and they walked into the radio stand and, and he looked like he was happy, you know, totally asleep. And then all of a sudden, Good Morning Vietnam. And, and Baker in the fourth quarter just emerged that way. He just barely got there. I think Kirk Herbstreit told the great story that he got to town before Baker Mayfield did that week <laughs> for the hmm. ball game. And Baker played well and played well all the way through the stretch. To me, if he doesn't get the offer to be a starter, and I'm looking at the NFC South, right? I'm looking at Tampa Bay. If he doesn't get it, if I'm him, I'm running back to I'm running back to the Rams and being the backup to Stafford right now and seeing what happens. Mm-hmm. You're not wishing any bad luck, but you don't know that Matthew Stafford can go the distance right now. Plus, how many more years can he play anyway? So you're thinking yeah. to you know to me, if I don't have that starters thing, I'm right there with McVay where I played well. I'm in a good system, and I get to grow with the Rams as they rebuild now because F those picks T-shirts no longer apply in, the, in Los Angeles and the Rams. Mm-hmm. They're in full rebuild right now. Charles Davis, NFL analyst for CBS Sports. Uh, Charles, always a pleasure. Let's catch up again soon around draft time. Thanks for this. That sounds great. Looking forward to it. You guys coming to Kansas City for the draft? Uh, I wish I was going to Kansas City for the draft. Man, we need you there. You got to come, got to come hang out. That place is going to be wild. The Super Bowl champs hosting the draft. Now, I think the last time we had the Super Bowl champs host the draft would have been the last Giants Super Bowl win. All right, serious question now, Charles. Better barbecue, Texas or Kansas City? Ooh, you're trying to get a man killed. <laughs> I mean, like, like literally killed. Okay. I go to both places. You're crazy if you think I'm answering that question. <laughs> I love Kansas City barbecue. I love Texas barbecue. Uh-uh, I'm not dying over some barbecue. I okay. want to eat in both states. <laughs> All right. I see. Uh, did you see that sad plate in West Virginia barbecue that was circling around social media? The sad barbecue. Yeah, I did. I did. My, my dad's from West Virginia, and he shed a tear that day. He yeah. wept. was sad. That mac and cheese definitely yeah. was not creamy enough either. Uh, Charles, yeah. great stuff. Yeah, yeah, that one hurt him bad. Yep. That one hurt him bad. We'll talk soon. Be good. Thanks, Charles. Take care. I'd love Bye-bye. to go to the draft. Uh, there's Charles Davis on uh, the make Atlas it Pizza. Yeah. Brody. And Sports Bar Set guest it up. hotline uh, is brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using the same secret recipe since 1975. Down in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out or delivery at 403-248-3344. Uh, real quick, before we say goodbye, I've been teasing this story a little bit. Mm-hmm. Rangers. Yeah. Um, a reason why maybe not to go to Ranger games moving forward. Uh, according to the New York Post, um, the State Liquor Authority what has um, initiated proceedings that could strip Madison Square Garden, Radio City Music Hall, and the Beacon Theater of their liquor licenses. Excuse me? Yes. Uh, the agency slapped the James Dolan-owned properties with administrative charges over his banning attorneys from the venues who were in active litigation against him or the Garden. 
So if you're a lawyer, this is such a James Dolan yes, thing, oh very super God. petty. So um, <laughs> if successful, the uh, state liquor authority would prevent fans from enjoying a beer at Rangers and Knicks games. This is where I would love to have Patty Duma because he would be able to pull up all of the references of James Dolan banning people yeah, from like his Charles buildings. Oakley. The list goes on and on and on oh, of yeah. things he's done. But yeah, apparently the man's so petty, the lawyers aren't allowed to be in his any of his facilities. So that in turn might lead to no beer sales at Madison Square Garden. He he got in an argument with someone uh who had a sell the team shirt on banned. Yep. Uh they're using facial recognition now to help with the ban. Any lawyers involved? Banned. Yep. Yeah. Oof. I, I bet that would stop a lot of people from going to professional sports events. Alcohol? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I I could still go and enjoy myself. Went to the Flames-Leafs game. Didn't drink at all. Mm. But you you make it into more of an event. Like, yeah. you, if, if, I'm going, if I'm going to New York for a trip with the pals, like, yeah, I'd like to have a couple of pops. You're not having a nice tea. No, no. Well, I might. Sure, but I with probably, vodka in it, or or maybe that's what I'm using for water. Yeah, in between every once in a while. <sighs> that I don't, and the music venues as well. Yep, everywhere. Yep, the Beacon Theater and Radio City Music Hall, no alcohol and MSG. Yeah, because James Dolan's a petty individual. Well, yeah, but come on now. That yep. this will get sorted out, right? Maybe. It should. It is James Dolan, it so I would James not Dolan, be surprised. So maybe not, if but they get their liquor mm. license stripped away. <laughs> um later on, the hottest sports league in the world is gonna launch. The hottest. We'll do that after Rash Madani. We'll also get your texts. Um give us a reason to be optimistic about the flames. Nine sixty, nine sixty name and location. There's some good ones on the text line. There always is. Uh we'll talk to the franchise next. It's the big show. Russick and Rose Sportsnet nine sixty the fan.